an eyepiece set for under $200 on episode 335 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We're amateur astronomers who love looking up at the nighttime sky, and this podcast is for everybody who likes going out under the stars. Before we get going, we have a uh, Patreon supporter to thank, Shane. Yeah, thank you, Vic. Uh, You are our newest Patreon supporter. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And as always, thank you to all of our supporters. It just helps keep the podcast rolling. Yeah, we certainly appreciate it. We do this for fun. But there is uh, there is a cost to doing it, isn't there? And it's it's fortunate that uh, people do contribute. Otherwise, we might be making other choices. <laughs> so I think it's uh, it's a pretty good uh, pretty good system we've got going. So we've done a few shows on eyepieces, and we're going to talk a little bit about eyepieces in a moment, Shane. But um, Bill sent us uh, a short email here and. A bit of a picture on how he uses his chart. Uh, did you, are, are you set up there to read his or do you want me to read it? Yeah, I can read it. Uh, yeah, so sure. Bill said, um, listening to Alistair's letter made me think of the device I made to attach a single page up by the focuser. Uh, made it out of an old bulldog paper clip and a quick clamp. As you can see in the photo, I'm also using a chart similar to what he described. Only this one has a close-up DSS image of the star field. Works great with a daub. Uh, Not sure how it would with a refractor on a tripod. I guess it might with an alt-as head. I've never tried. Uh, Sorry to hear you haven't had good weather for observing here on Vancouver Island. It's been great. And um, this is just in response to a few episodes ago, we were talking about, um, you know, star charts and and we had some emails about how people uh, will print out, you know, individual star charts or different approaches for their observing. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, what I, what, what Bill sent us is pretty cool. It's just some stuff he printed out, you know, a, a singular star chart of, well, I guess it's kind of three charts, right? It's uh, yeah. sort of a constellation chart for the yeah, like naked eye. Yeah. 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 And then like a more detailed chart for what it would look like through the eyepiece. And then it looks like the uh, DSS image of the star field as well. So it's a, uh, it's a real good reference all on one page uh, to help him find whatever he's looking for. Yeah. And with those trust tube upper assemblies, uh, there's often those, I don't, I don't know how big in diameter there, maybe an inch or slightly under, they have those you know, support brackets between the two rings. And he's just put a, looks like a pipe clamp onto that and then attached his, uh, somehow attached the, just the standard large old paper clip to, uh, to that. It's like one of those big, like file folder paper clips, I think, but I'm not sure. How did he attach that? Looks like there's something. Just a little little bolt or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, pretty, pretty cool. I thought that was a pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It was neat to hear just how everybody, you know, has slight variations on kind of a similar concept of, you know, printing out a a custom chart for the night, um, you know, for particular object or maybe a few objects. And then, you know, it's just a, it's a lightweight piece of paper. (laughs) That's pretty easy to use at the eyepiece. Yeah. Well, our weather has not improved. I mean, not, not drastically anyway. So um, I haven't been able to get out, Shane. I, I don't think you were able to either. No, no, the weather hasn't been favorable for observing. Um, the forecast is looking like we might have some opportunities, so we'll see what the, the sky looks like this weekend, I suppose. Yeah, we've been, we haven't been getting as much ground smoke, although you could smell it very faintly earlier today. And 
the other day, I don't think I could smell it so much as it was just, it, it was sort of dense in the atmosphere here yesterday, but uh, it's just enough that if, if, if it is clear, you could see like Venus and maybe a dozen or so of the brightest stars, but uh, that'd be it. And even Venus to the unaided eye was like a bit brown. So mm-hmm, Anyway, yeah, I, I guess if there's any sort of solace to this, it's that we're getting close to perpetual twilight. Well, we're really in perpetual twilight yeah. here, so yeah, uh, observing is not great this month anyway. So you know, if we're going to have poor weather or poor conditions, this is the time for it. Yeah, fires are really terrible though, and uh, yeah, they are. They don't look like they're. We're getting some rains through, but I, I don't know. It's going to be enough. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully more rain comes and you know some of these fires can disappear. So Don sent us this this email, Shane. I just thought it was a, a neat email. I, I feel like we've had a few emails like this before. Uh, this one was worded very well, though. So uh, maybe I'll just go ahead and read it, and then we can just sort of discuss uh, what our bits are. And should say that this is a probably going to be a shorter episode just uh focusing on this this one email and have a short conversation and then off to the races yeah dom says hey chris and shane i got into amateur astronomy about half a year ago with a six inch dog i was able to get dirt cheap with some not great one and a quarter inch eyepieces the past couple months i've been binging your podcast pretty hard I started at episode one and I'm on episode 102 now. Needless to say, I absolutely love it. Anyways, I have just bought a SV Boney 503 ED 102 millimeter. So guessing it's like a hundred millimeter, a four inch uh, ED of, of some sort. And he's purchased a Skywatcher AZ5 mount and a heavy duty tripod. I'm now on the hunt for two-inch eyepieces for it. I went back and re-listened to episode 11, the one about eyepieces, and took some notes to help with my hunt. I thought I was prepared, but quickly became utterly overwhelmed once I started looking. There are so many brands and specs, and I'm not sure how to determine specifically what I want to match my telescope specs. So I figured I'd reach out to you guys for some help. Uh, the telescope is 102 millimeters in aperture, 714 millimeters in focal length, makes it about an F7. First of all, I understand my maximum magnification will be about 200 power. But I also have heard that there is a minimum. Uh, he's confused on how to calculate that. So maybe what I'll do is a bit of a long email, but maybe I'll stop there, Shane. So he's listed this business of essentially it's two times the aperture in millimeters gives you about your maximum magnification. But in my experience, that is a a bit of a hypothetical number, especially when you're talking about a a four-inch refractor, because on many nights, uh, the four-inch refractor is just not going to be able to do 200 uh, magnification. That's just my experience. Um, I don't know what your experience is, so maybe you can just chime in. (laughs) Well, there's... there's there's two limiting factors here. There's the, the optics and what, you know, what Dom is referring to the, the 200 times is 50, typically 50 times, 
magnification per inch of aperture is the limit of telescope optics. And uh, it's a bit of a generalization. You know, some maybe are better than that. Some maybe not quite as good, but you're probably in the ballpark. Now that's just one factor. And then what you're talking about, Chris, is the limiting factor of the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> and depending where you live in the world, um, the atmosphere, at least here, rarely supports that kind of magnification. I I don't know about you, Chris, but, you know, planetary observing, I'm probably hitting... 125 on a good night and maybe 150 on a great night. Um, and it yeah. just doesn't seem to get much better than that. In fact, I could count on one hand how many times in, in my life I've gone beyond, say, 150 times. Yeah, I, I, that mirrors my experience. And that's also with your four-inch telescope, Shane? Yeah, a combination of four-inch yeah. telescope. Uh, I had the 120 uh, ED for a while. I, yeah. I factor that one in there. But basically, my my refractors for the most part. Yeah, it sort of mirrors mine as well. I find that, you know, on, you know, every once in a while, every like three or four nights, I get a, a pretty decent night. 150 is is pretty easy. Um, might be able to get a little bit more out of it. Uh, like you said, on the majority of nights, though, especially like unless you're going to be out there all night, uh, pretty common to get like 125. And I also really like the 125 magnification. I feel like that's just a nice magnification where whether you're looking at planets or globular clusters or galaxies or whatever, it's kind of enough magnification to really start showing you um, the detail and often about like the max detail you might even be able to see without uh, really becoming arduous to uh, track manually, which, which we often do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I do like his telescope. Uh, I'm, a, I'm just a huge fan of four inch telescopes or, or four inch refractors in, in, in particular, uh, it really is kind of the Swiss army knife of, of a strong astronomy, uh, telescopes and just the ability to do kind of everything, you know, yeah. um, you can look at planets, you can kind of look at some deep sky stuff. Um, and you can even get some wide, wide ish field, uh, views with them. So they, they sort of do everything. Yeah. I've never looked through a, an SV bony telescope before myself, but uh, I think that it's probably pretty similar to a lot of the other uh, standard uh, ED telescopes that, that are around. So first of all, for that max magnification, I personally wouldn't focus too much on getting that maximum magnification. My, my recommendation chain might be to look for something in that 125 or maybe 120 to 130-ish magnification range. I think that is a eyepiece that's going to get a, a lot more use perhaps than uh, a 200 magnif magnification eyepiece in that telescope. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yep. Okay. Uh, and then he also mentioned he was a bit confused about the uh, low power. Mm -hmm. And he says, if I get an eyepiece with minimum power and wide enough field of view, Will a red dot alone be enough to navigate around the sky or, I, or will I want a finder scope? Would I even need a red dot? So there, what kind of finder scope would you, first of all, what kind of finder scope would you want to have with this telescope if you're using like a low power two inch eyepiece? What, what, do you, what do you use? Yeah. So Dom and I really are using very similar uh, telescope in terms of characteristics. Mine is 102 millimeters as well. Um, and, uh, my focal ratio was a little longer at F eight, but, mm -hmm. um, I use a red dot finder. I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of red dot finders. Uh, I've been using them for many, many years. 
Um, and even when I'm, when I have like a wide field, like say my 41 millimeter panoptic in there, I still like the red dot. It just gets me into the zone real fast. And I know exactly where my telescope is pointed then. I used to really like the red dots and after observing for, I don't know, maybe I just observed so much that I just tend to kind of, if I use a relatively low power eyepiece, like a 20 millimeter or 30 millimeter or 40 millimeter, I can pretty much land on most targets. Like even if it's something I haven't observed before, I'll just land on a nearby star and then just pan over. So I, I stopped using the red dots altogether. And the one thing I want to set up a little bit better, I've done it in the past. I want to redo it maybe during this bout of uh, poor weather and during perpetual twilight is my 50 millimeter Borg Acromat that, that I'll, I like to set up as a finder scope. Sometimes I just need mm-hmm. to get it set so I can swap it back and forth from just low power, small wide field telescope mode to finder scope mode. I got to sort of figure out a little bit better way of, uh, of doing that. I, I like the finder scopes myself. So everybody's different. Like, and I totally mm-hmm. get it. Um, I think somebody was on recently, I think Mel Bartles was talking about uh, using red dot finders. We had him on recently. I think, yeah, I think they're a good thing. Yeah. 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 So the other thing, Shane, sorry, did you have another thought there on that? No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, the other thing is the low power, uh, wide field minimum magnification eyepiece. The one thing that I was thinking about with this was that he was mentioning getting something low power wide field, but he didn't mention whether or not he had a two inch diagonal already. So kind of when I made up my list of stuff that we'll get to shortly, I, I kind of factored in, if you had to go buy a two inch diagonal and then an eyepiece, that's, that's all you're going to get. You're not going to get a set of eyepieces. Like I think that that would be a limiting constraint, but for your lowest power eyepiece in your telescope chain, which is a 102 millimeter F8, what, what are you using for your lowest power powers? Well, now that I've gone exclusively, uh, vinyl viewing, um, my lowest power is probably 25 millimeters. Um, so with my vinyl viewer, I am restricted to inch and a quarter eyepieces. Um, and I just don't have like, I don't have any pairs of 32 millimeters. Um, I do, or I just recently completed a pair of 40 millimeter Kellners that I haven't tried yet. So oh, I, nice. guess, I guess the 40 millimeter Kellners would be my, my lowest power, but, but in general, so far, uh, I would say 25 is where I've been at probably for the last, uh, couple of, well, year or two, uh, prior to that, um, usually in that 30 millimeter range, like with my Nagler or my, uh, APM UFF. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. What about you? Yeah. For me, I really like the mass CM at 32 millimeter. It is a very light eyepiece and it has just about the maximum field of view that you can get with a two inch ocular. I find the edge sharp enough to my eye. My eye doesn't have very sharp edges anyway. So the fact that some people will say that it's not the sharpest eyepiece on the edge, to me, the difference between that and a and an Agler is not much different, just the way that my eye works. But I do enjoy like the just the singular low power wide field views. So I've got the 40 millimeter Pentax. I've got the 32 millimeter Massey. I have my old 30 millimeter wide scan three for public outreach. And then recently, uh, last year, had bought the 22 Nagler, and then this year, the 17 millimeter uh, Explore Science uh, when it was on sale, more than 50% off. 
So I, I've kind of got a got a good range there. With all those, though, I can pretty much just vote like any regular target. I can tend to uh, to be able to find it. But what would be the lowest power that you can do that same calculation in reverse? Multiply your focal ratio by seven, which is the exit people, the maximum exit people for some people, younger people, I suppose. So it would give you about 49 or 50 if you wanted to absolutely get the lowest power possible. That's not necessarily going to give you the widest field of view. The two-inch eyepiece, there's, there's some plossels in that around that are like 50 or 55 millimeters, 50 millimeters, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that's going to give you your widest field of view. Also, your eye may not open to the seven millimeter aperture. And so because of that, you may want to look at something different. I think that it's sort of like lowest usable magnification. I'm a big fan of like the five millimeter ish range. So I would just say seven times five as 35. So maybe, you know, you could get like lots of 35 millimeter eyepieces in two inch format, 32 millimeter eyepieces and like, there's, there's a bunch sort of getting towards 40 millimeter. I think anything kind of in that range is probably going to be a pretty uh, good low power eyepiece uh, for this telescope. But I, I would stick to 40 millimeters or less just simply for your eye and for the telescope performance, because I think that's sort of where the sweet low power uh, spot is for that instrument. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I have a 41 millimeter pan optic, which, um, similar to your Pentax, uh, 40 millimeter, um, yeah. you know, it's the widest field of view that you can really get in a, uh, two inch format. Um, however, I don't really use it a ton. I, what I like about the Nagler and I think your Masuyama is very similar is that, you know, it almost gives you the widest field of view that you can get, but you're getting just a little more magnification. And and one thing that I don't know if we've talked a ton about, uh, the more magnification you have, um, you know, you're, I guess in a way you're dimming everything, but in, at those lower powers, you notice that the background darkens. So, you know, the difference between my 41 and my 31 is very noticeable in how black the background is, uh, amongst the stars. So I like a little more power, uh, just cause you get, in my opinion, a little more contrast. So if you're looking at faint things or, um, you know, nebulas, galaxies, whatever that might be, sometimes they just pop a little bit better with a 31 compared to the 41. Um, now if I'm looking at a very expansive field or a very, uh, large object, maybe I do want that maximum field of view, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really not that often that I'm going for the 41 millimeter. So I think you and I are in agreement here, something in sort of that 30 to 40 millimeter range, you know, somewhere sort of in, in that zone is probably going to be an eyepiece that gives the most. That doesn't mean that that's necessarily going to be the best eyepiece for Dom, because I think, you know, if he's just been doing this for six months to a year, you're still probably learning a fair bit. And because of that, you're going to try some stuff out and, and you're, you're a different person than both Shane and I. So you might prefer something completely different than, than what we like. So this is just our, our general advice. Um, Let's see. So yeah, anything under uh, anything that, that is going to be larger than 50 millimeters is going to give you too low power. And so you're going to be wasting some aperture there. And then as well, typically you're, you're maxing out the two inch aperture on the, or the field stop on the eyepiece anyway, once you get uh, into that sort of 40 millimeter ish range. Yeah. 
between, and he goes on to say, so I'll read the rest of his meal. Between the telescope mount, tripod, diagonal, um, I've already spent lots of money. I would like to get a good range of powers, low, medium, and high, of decent quality to save some money, and then upgrade them over time by searching through classifieds to find good deals. Someone on Clydonate suggested a low-power eyepiece, a Zoom, and a Barlow. Does that sound like a decent setup to you, Shane? What do you think about a low-power eyepiece, a Zoom, and a Barlow? I thought that was an interesting recommendation. Yeah, um, I've got a couple of thoughts. Or, or like prior to this, I, I did a little research to see what I would recommend here, and I've got two different recommendations. Okay, this aligns to recommendation number one for me quite closely. Oh, okay. Um, are, do we do we want to get into those details, or do you want to finish the email and then talk about what we would put forward? Okay, uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll keep going. I'll keep going, then come sure. right back to you. So I'll just read the last paragraph. Also, in my post on Clyde and I mentioned I was looking for a good budget IP for good budget eyepieces and have gotten recommendations for like $200 individual eyepieces. That's how much I wanted to spend max for the whole set. Is that a realistic goal? Could you recommend decent quality budget brands or even specific eyepieces I should look at? If you all just straight up listed three or four eyepieces, that would get me a decent range of powers for around $200. I'd literally just snag those just so I don't have to go through the nightmare of figuring out exit people's fields of view and all that kind of stuff. Uh, sorry, this email ended up being much longer than I was anticipating. No problem at all. We love long emails from listeners. Anyway, thanks for all the hours of entertainment and knowledge that you have given me. I look forward to many more. Clear skies, Dom. Well, first of all, thank you so much for the email, Dom. I, I really like the way that you put all these very specific questions to us because it makes it very fun to chat and answer. And, and he and I have had a few email exchanges uh, on this, uh, but I'm going to circle back to Shane and his uh, response for the low power Zoom and Barlow. Take mm. it away, Shane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so option one that I put together um, is, is very close to that. Um, I, I kind of stole some of your notes. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. Um, but I remember you talked a lot about the uh, 32 millimeter Plossel that you bought a while ago, the yes. GSO version. Yeah. Great price. It's $35 American. Uh, so that was, uh, my low power recommendation. It's an inch and a quarter, and it gives you the widest field of view that you can get in inch and a quarter. So mm -hmm. it's, it's great. Um, you know, and it's low enough power that you, you're going to get a lot of light through to your eye. Um, you really can't go wrong with that. So I, I like the 32 millimeter GSO Plossel. So we're at $35 there. Okay. Uh, the zoom, I love the idea of a zoom because you're buying one eyepiece, but depending on what the uh, range of the zoom is, you're kind of buying like, like 10 eyepieces potentially or a lot, right? Because mm -hmm. you just twist the zoom and you got different focal lengths. So one that fits within this $200 range uh, is the uh, Celestron 8x24 zoom. So I hear that one's pretty good. Yeah, I've heard that I, too. I should say I read, no, like. I'm not listening to it, but yeah. Yeah. So it's $110. Um, okay. So now we're at 145 well within okay. budget. And okay. now we're covering off everything. Well, I find when I go from 32 millimeters or like kind of my wider field eyepieces, uh, I'm probably jumping now to like a mid range, like mid power eyepiece, which is probably in that 12 to 20 millimeter range. So mm -hmm. 
this zoom covers that off and it gets you a little bit into the higher powers too. Like at eight millimeter with the refractor that Dom has, we're looking at about 90 times magnification, uh, which on a lot of nights, at least here, that's maybe as much as you can use. So, (laughs) so it's going to be great for that. Now, the last part though, uh, I think it was mentioned, uh, also a Barlow and, uh, I, I'm not going to go down the Barlow path on this first option. Um, going a little bit, uh, kind of off, I guess, prescription here or or off the ask, (laughs) um, with, within this budget, you can get like a deep sky filter, which I think would be. Oh, that's an interesting take. I like what you did there. Okay. Now um, you can get, so what I would recommend is like an O3 filter or maybe uh, like a UHC filter. And uh, probably the UHC is the one to go with. And Mm -hmm. if you go with the SV Boney brand, same as the refractor, you can get a UHC in inch and a quarter for $29. So we're still under budget and you know, you got $10 to, uh, I don't know, go through drive-through and grab a burger. I was going to say put gas in your car, but that's that's not going to get you too far these days. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's option one. Okay. And, um, before you go to option two, though, I do have a question for you, Sure, but, but keep finishing that thought. If you had something, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead with your I, question. Cause I goofed up. We're recording this at the end of the day. It's been a long day. I just gave a two hour presentation. I drove for an hour, sat down and started and hit record. All right. So Shane, what was your first IP set? Hmm. So my first telescope, a lot of listeners have heard me say this, uh, was an eight inch, uh, Skywatcher, uh, Newtonian. And my first set, I, I don't remember all of the focal lengths, but it was the Mead 4,000 plossels. Uh, I had like the 26 millimeter, which I think, you know, wow. it was a, it was a popular a one. Good set. Well, I didn't have first... the whole set though. I didn't have oh, the whole set. Okay. Yeah. I had, had a like, few. Okay. Yeah. I had the 26. I, I think with that telescope, I had a few like unmarked or I should say unbranded plossels, uh, the, the couple that just came with the telescope. Um, so then I ended up with the 32, uh, the 26, gosh, I think it was like a 15 and, and then like, a I don't know what it would have been like maybe a nine millimeter. That's 4, a pretty 000. good set though. That's like a nice representative set. Of yeah. 4,000. Those are, aren't those pseudo Masayamas or something or. Well, so this is a bit of a rabbit hole. So though the meat 4,000 plossels, there's been at least, uh, and I'm probably wrong on this count now. Oh, okay. I think there's been at least five different versions and, and they're very hard to tell apart. Uh, like I think the very early ones were made in Japan and those are the mm-hmm. Masayuma clones or the pseudo Masayumas. And then there was just slight variations, like where the Japan stamp was would indicate certain things. And then I think production moved to maybe China or somewhere else. And the design changed, even though it was still branded as a Mead 4000. So there's some variations there. So you're not, they're not all alike, but, um, uh, yeah, they were, they were great eyepieces. I don't know which ones I had back then. I think they were the made in Japan ones, but, um, the other thing I'll say is I didn't just go out and buy those like, um, you know, it, it, it took me a while to save up and I would buy an eyepiece, save up, buy another eyepiece. And, um, you know, I think that's an important thing to say, cause you know, you and I talk about our gear today and, you know, we have nice gear, but, 
uh, I didn't start with that. It took no. me a long time to yeah. build up to, you know, better eyepieces and better telescopes. And, uh, you know, uh, through, throughout my lifespan as an astronomer, um, you know, I, I've used a lot of different gear just because of that journey. Very good. Very good. What did you first upgrade to? Uh, then I went to the, um, uh, the Spears Waller eyepieces, um, okay. the, oh, well, again, I can't remember all of the focal lengths. Was there a 12 millimeter Spears Waller of that? There first? was, I have it, but I don't think it's super rare. I still have it. You, okay. I don't think you would have had that. Yeah. Well, it was I, a, it was a prototype. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember the focal lengths, but I had two or three of those and that was my first foray into wide field and yeah. going from a plossal to like a, what, whatever those were 82 or 84 degrees. Yeah. Uh, it blew my mind, especially with a, a Dobsonian that doesn't track. It was such a nice luxury to, you know, be able to watch a, a planet drift through the field of view and not have to touch the telescope and actually observe it. Whereas, you know, with the plossels, I was constantly nudging. So, okay. yeah. So for my first set, I had a 32 millimeter and a, an 11 millimeter Teleview plossel and a two times Barlow for my eight inch F6 Dob. Uh, I had a very limited budget and decided to, to go with the quality. They were like, you know, really good Teleview eyepieces. Yeah. And I, I ended up using the 32 so much that uh, that's when I'm crushing in the vice trying to clean. And then the uh, 11 millimeter had very short eye relief. And that's when I found out that I really needed longer eye relief eyepieces. Unfortunately, I had hoped when I bought them with the 11 millimeter in the Barlow that it would, but it, it just, it didn't work out very well. I had, a you know, just these two eyepieces with the Barlow, it gave me four magnifications. And pretty quickly, I upgraded to the Spears Waller 70 degrees. So they had 70 degree before the 80 degree eyepieces. Oh. And they had very beautiful long eye relief and they worked perfectly. And again, I didn't have that much money. But when the 80 degree eyepieces came out, I sold all my 70 millimeters and I bought the 80 millimeters only to find out that the eye relief had tightened up. And yep. then I had to wear my glasses and I couldn't see even as much of the field of view as I could with the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the way it goes. All right. So back to your uh, second. So, so your first set was a 32 plossel zoom and the SV Boney 03 filter and $10 for the McDonald's drive through. What's your second set? So this one is not for the faint of heart, Chris. This oh, one is a little oh, bit like wild. <laughs> so this one is a different philosophy. Um, this one is starting out with a, like, you know, one of the better plossels that you can buy, which okay. I, I'll say is the 32 millimeter Teleview, um, okay. high quality plossel. I know sometimes the uh, eye placement can be tricky for some folks. So little caveat there. Yeah, but, it does. Uh, it can black out. Mine did black out a bit on me, but it's an excellent eyepiece. Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent eyepiece. It just has huge eye relief, which sometimes causes this blackout. And um, anyway, this is a plossel that if you buy it, you could keep it for life. It, it is just a great plossel. You probably will have a hard time <clears throat> finding one that performs better. Unless you crush um, it in a vice. Yeah, that's not a good thing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've been warned. Don't put it in a vice. <laughs> don't, put it, don't put your eyepieces in vices, people. Um, so now this almost consumes the budget 
this is $155 and we have to stay under 200. So now, what now? Yeah. So how do we achieve all of these other uh, focal lengths that are needed? You're going to like get a really crappy Barlow and slit the side and make a draw tube. <laughs> kind of, kind of. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so get a Barlow. Yeah, uh, for sure. Get a Barlow, uh, two times Barlow. So now you have your, your high power and, and you can find various two times Barlows for that, you know, $50 range, which, uh, kind of keeps us within budget. Um, so now you have your 32, well, you throw the Barlow on there, you got the 16, assuming it's two times. Um, and the 16 time or, or the 16 millimeter focal length is to me a, a very good mid range, uh, focal length. So now mm-hmm. you got low power, mid power, and you're just missing the high power. What I would say is, um, and this requires a little bit of math and I forget what the formula is, but Barlow magnification is just, uh, y- like every v- Barlow is variable essentially. If oh, you because it's a function of the distance from the focal yeah. plane to the, uh, eyepiece focal plane. Yeah. Yeah. So if you extend the distance between the eyepiece and essentially the Barlow, you're going to increase the magnification that the Barlow provides. Yeah, so, I've done this. Yeah. Yeah. So how you do this, you buy your Barlow, you buy your Plossel, and then what you can buy is inch and a quarter, uh, like extenders. Um, and they just, they would go in your diagonal, or in this case, you put them at the top of the Barlow and again, do the math to make sure you're getting the Barlow into the yeah. uh, magnification range you want. Probably in this case, maybe three to three and a half times. Find yeah. uh, an inch and a quarter eyepiece extension that equals that length roughly. And then you put that into the Barlow. Then you put the 32 millimeter Plossel on top of that. Right. And now you probably have your high power uh, eyepiece um, and the beauty of this is, is you've kind of like, you've nailed down a great eyepiece in your collection that you probably never have to replace. Um, and then you can save your money and, you know, continue to add eyepieces to that collection over time, but you don't have to worry about selling anything. So a little bit of a different approach, not for mm-hmm. everybody. And like I say, not for the faint of heart, cause there's uh, a little bit of a calculation there too. I, I like that. It, that's actually easier it, this is one of those things that's easier done than said. I and I stumbled upon this pretty late. I, I only tried this out maybe three years ago or four years ago. I can't remember. I think it was during the 2020 Mars opposition or or the year leading up to that. I started experimenting with this, mm. where you can buy these. A, a good place to buy them is Agena Astro, which is a reputable telescope dealer down in the states. I don't know where they're out of, but they're awesome. I bought tons of stuff from them, including these, which are made by Blue Fireball. I think it's called Blue Fireball, yep, yep. and they sell all these different variable length extenders. And I think they're like fifteen dollars or fourteen ninety nine. Anyway, they're not really expensive, so I just bought like a few of those. They work really well. Yeah, yeah, um, that's certainly a good way to go. Um, I, I also recently just sort of got or be, grew awareness of this as an option and, and how I did that was with the, uh, Bader VIP Barlow. It's a variable Barlow and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it uses tier two or T2 spacers. And, uh, like they advertise this as a feature, you just add more spacers or decrease spacers to change the magnification factor of your Barlow. So, um, yeah, kind of an, a different way to go. What about you, sir? What is on your recommend recommendation list here for 
a set under $200? Well, first, I really liked your sets. I, 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 I kind of thought, what's she going to come up with? I'm pretty excited. And, and you, <laughs> you sort of, you really came through on this one. I, that was really nice. Um, I think, I think those are in all seriousness. I think those are really good options. So if somebody is a bit of a tinkerer, I think the second option is great. If somebody really just wants it, uh, you know, one and done kind of thing, I think your first option is really simple. And I think there's a lot of people out there. I feel like I've even met people that have a similar set to that. And I think that's a beautiful set. My options are this. So the first thing I caught on is that he might want to really get into low power wide field observing. And if that's the case, he's going to have to try to source a pretty good, something like a GSO uh, basic 99% diagonal. He can get them for 89 or 90 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then the Agena Astro uh, 38 millimeter super wide angle SWA is probably the least expensive two inch eyepiece that I would recommend. I haven't looked through that one exactly, but I looked through pretty similar ones. So that's going to give him just over his five millimeter exit pupil, but the whole budget is just in a low power eyepiece and the diagonal if he doesn't own it. And then he would just simply suffer through with his eyepieces that he already has, but he would, he would then be able to have that wide field experience, which for me, I, I really love wide field and I don't think there's anything wrong with just going down that avenue because he asked for it. And then that would probably, I think, be his best uh, entry level choice. And then if he yeah. already has the two inch diagonal, like, I don't know what came with the SV bony, maybe it came with a two inch diagonal, but if he already has that, then he could maybe even sw- switch and swap with some of our other suggestions here and come up with his own combination. Yep. So if he doesn't already own the two inch diagonal and doesn't just want to only have the upgrade to two inch, then I think it is best to stick with the one and the quarter, one and a quarter. And in which case, again, I think that that GSO 32 millimeter Plossel, um, I, I think I looked it up, it was 35 bucks or 34 99. It's, mm-hmm. it's a deal. I think I got mine for less than 30 bucks when I bought it. It's really awesome. Like you said, it maxes out your one and a quarter field of view and it's, it's an awesome performer. It's hard to believe for the price. Is it as good as the Teleview? It has. I thought it had maybe a little bit better eye placement. The coatings aren't as good, but other than that, I think it's it's very very good for especially price. Yeah, I've looked through a couple of those, and I think they're great. Um, The Teleview one, the negative uh, knocks on it are the eye placement, which we discussed, but yeah. Uh, some people also talk about kind of the, the coffee tone that Teleview Plossels have. It's like yeah. a little bit of a warmer appearance. Uh, some people like that. Some people don't. Those might be the knocks against the, uh, the Teleview. Um, yeah. so the GSO is a fine eyepiece. There's no question about that. So 32 millimeter, 32 millimeter GSO for low power. And then two eyepieces. Uh, these are the ones these are a little bit I don't know if controversial is the right word because they used to be labeled as TMB. I had a couple of these wow. that were labeled as TMB, but yeah. I don't think you can get the TMB ones anymore, but the design is still out there. The controversy is that I think Thomas Back had designed them. And then I believe that perhaps they are um, somewhat similar to that design. And anyway, but they are still decent eyepieces. I just couldn't find the TMBs anymore. And considering that they're just not available, the BSTs um, have nice eye relief and the nine millimeter and the six millimeter would work very well. 
So the 32 would give him 22 magnification. The 90, the nine millimeter would give him 80 and the six millimeter would give him 120 X, which is about max power on many nights. Like we discussed. And then if you drop a two inch or two X Barlow into that mix, not a two inch Barlow, but a two X Barlow, then that's going to give you uh 44 magnification and 160 X on top of that, which is really going to max you out on the really good nights. And that would give you a nice spread of 22, 44, 80, 120, and 160, sort of like the correct magnification for almost just about anything. I, I, I couldn't imagine having a four-inch telescope and having those powers. And then you, you're always going to have a power that's going to work for your conditions with, with that set. But that, that said, if you got an extra 50 or 60 bucks and you got the two inch diagonal with the scope, then go for the 38 millimeter mm-hmm. and then get, get this set of eyepieces. That that's my recommendation. Not sure. What, what are your thoughts on that chain? Yeah. I love it. Love it. You're covering off all of the ranges. Um, those BST eyepieces, um, from what I've heard, like, I think you sit, like you said, they're very similar to the TMB original design and, you know, they're solid performers. So you're really covering off everything here. And, uh, I love it. I, I think this is really good thing I like with them is that they're just really good sort of all around eyepieces. They have very yeah. good eye relief, uh, very comfortable eyepieces. They're reasonably lightweight. And they just sort of check a lot of boxes, probably not the best at any one thing, like not, not a super wide field, but they're wider than a plossal. Like notice to be wider at almost 60 degrees or 50 degrees or whatever they are. Yeah. And, um, uh, that, you know, well, well designed apparently, but like I said, and there's a variety, excuse me, in that, uh, in that price range too, but I'll, yeah. I'll be interested to know. He did write back saying that he, he maybe had, had sort of settled on a few ideas even before I wrote him back. So uh, I'll be curious to hear from Dom, but it would be great to hear from you, the listener and how you would set up a $200 IP set and maybe what your original eyepiece or your getting started eyepiece set was and maybe maybe you had something different than what Shane and I uh had and maybe you would come up with a better combination for people who are just starting out and have a limited budget. We'd love to hear about that. Yeah, for sure. The the last thing maybe I'll just mention here real quick, Chris. And again, I've not looked through these, but I know some of our listeners, including uh Phil from the UK, uh use SV Boney eyepieces. And um like Phil raves about them. Uh, I've read great things on cloudy nights about them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something to consider too. Like there's, I'm just looking right now on Amazon and there's a set, uh, there's 68 degrees, uh, inch and a quarter, six millimeter, nine, 15 and 20. You mm-hmm. get all four for $130. So, okay. you know, there's, there's certainly a, a lot of options out there. One thing we didn't really talk about, and I don't think Dom mentioned in the email, I, I don't know if he wears glasses, so I'm not sure if eye relief yeah. is needed. I just assumed he he doesn't wear glasses. So he doesn't. I don't think he does. But okay, I thought good, you know good. you know what I thought with this is my method to my madness was this is just a really nice generic question without too many little caveats, yeah, right? Yeah, so. True. I, I just like the idea of somebody's just asking this question, but we don't know them and we don't know like them as a complete observer person. So how would we answer it? And I, I think we came up with some neat ideas here. 
Yeah, agreed. It's uh, it's fun to talk about this stuff because there are so many different options. And I totally get what Dom is referring to about this being uh, somewhat overwhelming. There's a lot of choices out there. Some eyepieces look very similar and a lot are. Uh, there's a lot to navigate through here. And uh, I, I always enjoy having these conversations. And if anybody out there is listening and you want any help selecting eyepieces, Sheena are always happy to help you spend your money our advice is free and worth every penny. <laughs> yes, I, I helping you spend your money helps me put more in my bank account and not spend money, which, which is probably good for me right now. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of fun to to go through and do this, and uh, we appreciate the the lengthy emails. I had like three people write this week and say sorry for the long email. I'm like, don't apologize. This is this is one instance where I love getting the long email and. You know, it, it really helps us to solidify some thoughts and uh, maybe communicate some of those thoughts with other listeners out there that might have the same question that just haven't written in. Yeah, yeah. Anything to add, Shane, to this episode? No, that's everything, Chris. Thanks to our Patreon supporters and many thanks to all the listeners who write in each week. We certainly do appreciate it. If you have any questions for us, comments, show ideas, you can always reach us at actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>